Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Hello, everyone. Like I said, my name is Miles Bassett. I'm the CEO and founder here at Wildman Web Solutions. We host this open Q&A live every Wednesday, live streaming to our Facebook, YouTube, and now Twitch channel. Uh, hopefully doing some other social channels moving forward. Uh, but like I said, this is an open Q&A. So we're here to answer your questions. Um, anything you want to ask us about business, technology, marketing, advertising, um, or if you just want to jump in and ask us how our day is, we will uh, do our best to answer that. So please, if you have any questions throughout the entirety of this segment, uh, throw your questions in the comments below. If you're catching this later, you're not watching us live, you can still get in on that action um, and ask us some questions by emailing us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I do have that address scrolling below me here in that crawler. Okay. So we're going to get going today by bringing in Mike Hanna. Mike, you ready? You better be because I'm adding you. Miles, there we I, are. Hey. <laughs> I've never been more ready for anything in my life. Good, sir. Happy St. Patrick's Day and a good morning to you. How in the heck are you doing on this fine morning, Miles? I'm good. I'm good. Turn of the season's always fun with the seasonal allergies and everything, but I do love St. Patrick's Day. If you can't tell by the slight red in the beard, there's definitely some heritage there. So um, we're, we're going we're gonna to be celebrating see, over here I at the Bassett household. Where's your green at? Ooh, that is a sin. <laughs> that is a sin right there. I totally forgot about that whole thing. All right, I was Miles just excited well. about the drinking part later. Well, at least, at least you said <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we're going to have to do something about that, Miles, uh, or you will get the crap beat out of you for not wearing green on St. Patrick's Day. That's, that's at least my experience. I've tried that once before. You know, I'm a little bit of a contrarian. And, uh, yeah, it didn't end up too well for me. But, yeah, in my family, every day St. Patrick's Day. So yeah, I've, right. I have forgotten to wear green as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess benefit of COVID times is there's there's no one here. So I at least I, I get a little benefit there. But if you want to come over and uh, give it a try, you're more than welcome. Um, <laughs> fighting Irish here. Uh, so we got a comment coming here already. Chelsea looks like we're having some audio issues. I've got it tested over here and I think we're we're live and we have good audio. So check on your end here. But if anyone else can't hear us, please let me know. Or if you can hear me, I guess, let me know. Uh, yeah, Chelsea, let us know uh, if it's one of us specifically that may be having the issue. But, yeah, definitely want to get that dialed in before we uh, we go any farther because we got some good stuff to talk about today. <laughs> I guess that's probably a good um, time to lead into the fact that we are putting this out in an audio version. Uh, we're going to be publishing out all of the Ask Wildmans, at least the audio um, part of it, as a podcast uh, here very shortly, if we haven't already. Uh, we haven't actually done that yet, right? Uh, that's a good question, Miles. Okay. Uh, you know, we're going to, well, that's a question for our community. You're supposed to be in charge of this. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm really just kind of uh, casually overseeing the operation. <laughs> Uh, our, our queen of content, Anna, is the executive chief and uh, an operator of that entire task force. So I will message her on the back channels and see if we can get an estimated ETA on that. But I do know it is coming very, very soon. And, uh, and bless her heart, because what she's doing right now is she's going back through the entire year. Because we've been doing this show for a year now, Miles. She's, she's going back through the entire 50-plus episodes and logging them. Uh, in creating the podcast. So we start from episode one uh, and then we'll be dropping all 50 plus at once here. So once it happens, my goodness, are you guys going to have a lot of wild man audio to listen to? And I'm really with. interested so, actually to listen to that backlog and hear how we've changed over time. Cause I know at least for me, I know you've had some experience on air, your days in radio, uh, but this was a, a very new thing to me is putting myself on video, putting myself out, especially live. 
Um, and I, at least I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it, a lot more comfortable with it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear how that goes. And I guess I'll use that opportunity to throw in our first tip of the day uh, for Ask Wild Man. And that is, if you're not comfortable doing something, um, give it a shot anyway. It might grow on you. Um, especially if it's something as valuable as putting out content like this. Uh, we've talked before about how um, the algorithms really favor live video. Um, so if that's not something you're doing because, you know, maybe it's not your favorite thing in the world to be on camera, maybe give it a shot um, and, and see if you get any better at it. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Miles. Um, you know, I, I think that's really good advice, you know, not only for content creation, but for business in general. If you feel uncomfortable, if it's scary, if you have like a little bit of fear, uh, which of course stands for false evidence appearing real, that probably means you're about to do something really good and that you're on the right path. And so, you know, no, nothing great was ever done before, uh, you know, a little bit of fear, uh, you know, happened before it actually was achieved. And so it's actually a really good sign and it's something that we should embrace uh, and not do uh, the opposite of what fear stands for, and that is F everything and run. Uh, we have to understand that it's false, false evidence appearing real and, uh, and then move forward and, uh, and test things, you know, because, you know, the, the, also the, the great, the great thing about just doing, and I was actually, I was in a, uh, a conversation the other day with somebody and we were, they asked, well, what's the difference between a, a entrepreneur and an entrepreneur? And I said, well, a entrepreneur debates and an entrepreneur does. And, you know, I mean, there's obviously more differences than that, but it really just boils down to that. You know, it, it's the people that want to do things and want to build things and, and want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. They'll sit around and they'll debate and they'll hedge and they'll, you know, say, well, let's wait for a, a, a sunny day because we couldn't do it on a cloudy day, you know, and, and the opposite are people who just got and just do it. And sometimes they fail and, and, and that's okay. That's actually great. And, and failure is awesome. And, you know, we need to learn to love failure because it just makes us better uh, and it teaches us and it learns. And, you know, I, I really, really believe strongly that you know, regret, which is something that is maybe the most poison thing in the world, it is really, you know, the, the kind of regret that really creates that poison is based around when we don't do something rather than when we do do something. Because when we do do something and it fails, we may have a little bit, you know, brief moment of regret and, you know, our ego gets a little bruised or whatever. But if we can learn something from that, and take that and apply it in the future, then we actually, we just did ourselves a favor. And, and so we shouldn't regret those things that we do, but when we don't do something, then later on, we always have that what if feeling or, you know, God, like, did I miss a huge opportunity? And that's the stuff that just eats away at you, you know, over time. And so, you know, you know whether we're talking about anything in life, really, but especially content creation. Yeah, you just got to put the fears aside and you just got to go and do it. And you have to understand that if, if it feels uncomfortable, that's actually a good thing and a strength. And that's how we grow. You know, uh, nobody nobody goes to the gym and uh, and, you know, and, and just lifts featherweights and expects to get bigger. Right. It's like no pain, no gain is the same. Right. And, and that's exactly true in everything that we do. So great point there, Miles. How's our audio, Not, Chelsea? By the way, are we, are we doing okay before we? Yeah, it looks like we got we got confirmation on the audio, okay. so I think we're good. Awesome. Um, okay. And this is all not to say that um, you know you should just go out and do the first thing that pops in your mind at all times, and that's going to lead you to success. Uh, so I'll just throw in one one um, word of caution in here, and that is that planning is still good, thinking about it is still good, doing some tests and measuring things, of course, is still good. We're definitely not advocating that. You just go out and, and try stuff willy-nilly and think about it and have that little debate with yourself. But if you're at that place where you're starting to think, am I ready? You've started to ask that question. It's probably time to make that leap because you're never going to feel completely ready. I think, Mike, you and I were talking a few days ago and you made the analogy of, you know, it's like it's like having kids. At some point, you just got to jump into it because you're never going to feel 100% ready to make that leap into that next stage of your life. Um, that that decision is always going to feel a little bit premature 
which at some point you just got to go. You just got to trust yourself and go. Yeah, that that's a hundred percent miles. And we, and we agree, but I think maybe we have a little bit of, of, de, of degree of also, you know, differentiation on this point uh, in that maybe. Uh oh, I think we lost him there. <laughs> that's what you get for disagreeing with me, Mike. All right, let's see if I can't get him back on here. What the hell just happened? Well, I'll use this time while he's gone to throw in the the point that it's important to have a, a good business partner, one that you can disagree with and that brings you other valuable insights and ones that, uh, you know, you, you come at it from a different angle. Speaking of contrarian partners, I think I got them back here. Yes, <laughs> okay. there we go. There, there we go. I don't know what happened there. I got a, I got a whoops, sorry message, and and I figured I wasn't on the air anymore. But yeah, I mean that. that go, I heard just heard your last point there about partners. That that's actually you know an ideal situation is uh, you know you always want a healthy amount of disagreement. I think in a partnership, you know, if everybody is like two on the same page, then you're going to get blinded easily. And it just becomes like a yes man or a yes woman scenario where you're just getting confirmation bias over and over again. <laughs> and then obviously if you're two on total, you know, total polar opposites, then it's, it's just not going to work. But, but yeah, you know, I think just our personalities, I'm a little bit more of a risk taker. You're a little bit more of a planner, you know? And so that actually balances out quite well uh, because I, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, I almost would tell people because just because this is the way I do it, I'm not saying that this is right. It's probably not. <laughs> it's just the way that I'm wired is like, you know, I would rather have 15 plates spinning at once and drop 10 of them and then have five that are like really spinning, you know, than have three plates spinning and like just endlessly planning out to get how do I get to the other two plates, you know? <laughs> But like, you know, people work different ways and like what works for me is not going to work for other people, but that's just the way I am. And like, I'm totally okay with, with losses. Like I'm not trying to ever have an undefeated season. I like, I want some else because like, like miles, okay, this is probably going to go a little bit sports guy nerd on you for a little bit here, but uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's filling out their brackets right now and everybody's picking Gonzaga to win. Well, most of the experts are okay. Because they're undefeated. It's going to be, if they do it, it's going to be the first time since 1974 or 76 or something like that, that there's been an undefeated team in the NCAA. I'm willing to bet money right now. If anybody wants to jump in the contents, the Gonzaga is not going to win the NCAA tournament just because they're undefeated and, and they haven't been tested in months because they play in a weak conference. And so I, I'm putting my money on, you know, teams like the big 10. I mean, I always pick KU to win no matter what my bracket. You know, in terms of, of individually, course. in terms of individually betting on games, uh, I'm going to pick teams that have losses but have been tested. Uh, you know, so anyways, we're going down a rabbit hole here. But <laughs> do we have some questions? Yeah, not, to answer not how I, <laughs> not how I plan on starting off the show here. But I think it was uh, some some valuable I'm not, information. I'm not trying to have an undefeated season. That was the point. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll just tie this back to the beginning here. This is an open Q&A. So anyone who wants to jump in with some questions, uh, you've had some business troubles or you're trying out something new, um, ask us something about marketing, technology, business in general, uh, and we'll, we'll hit you here. But we do have a couple of issues that have come up over the last week. Uh, a couple of things have come in through the emails. And so I wanted to dedicate a certain amount of this time um, this week to talk about a subject where I know you and I have disagreed in the past. So this will be a little bit interesting and see how things go. And that is AI or artificial intelligence. Okay. Let's um, do it. So quick caveat out there, um, as I am the tech side of the house, so I want to put this out there for any of my tech friends that may be listening. Yes, we're not talking about true artificial intelligence. This is not nothing that's even touching the Turing test um, or, you know, no ex machina style stuff here. Uh, this is really more uh, machine learning, big data processing, stuff like that, where we can use technology 
to look at a massive amount of data and make intelligent decisions based on that input. Um, this is a massive amount of data that no human could really look at um, in any sort of realistic timeline and make any decisions, whereas um, some of the big data processing units or some of the, you know, what is being referred to in the digital marketing world as AI can look at these systems or these large piles of data and instantly process all of it and make an intelligent decision based on um, all of this information. So that's what we're going to be talking about here. But what I want to hit on for people is where in, in the context of small business digital advertising is AI useful? Where should you be leveraging it or at least be considering it? And where should you maybe stay away from it? Because it's being marketed all over the place. The number of times I see AI powered this, AI powered that. And so I wanted to get some information out there to you guys about you know, where you should actually be considering using this and where maybe it's it's not quite ready or you know, maybe it's never going to be there. Um, I know I lean a little bit heavier on the tech side and leveraging these things a little bit more, whereas Mike, I think that you've disagreed with me on a couple of things as to where AI can actually be used. Humanity uh, so first. I want to see. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm on the side <laughs> of the Terminator here. Um, so I want to go through a couple of points here where I think it can be used and then also point out a couple of places where, you know, maybe you shouldn't um, and also get your feedback on it. So the first point I had here was in PPC advertising. Okay. Um, this is pay-per-click advertising. Uh, biggest player here is obviously in Google, Google ads, search engine ads, SEM. Um, I think that it can be incredibly useful in large-scale PPC campaigns. So if you're doing something smaller, you're doing something hyper-targeted, and you have the ability to create very specialized, very personalized content for your audience yourself, then that's obviously a better play. But if you're looking at higher volume, you're looking at these huge-scale PPC marketing campaigns, then I think AI can be a huge help to just analyze all of that information. Um, Utilizing these machine learning algorithms can really help you to optimize everything from your, your layout to your copywriting, uh, your targeting, um, bidding in certain um, types of PPC marketing, your, your bidding for ad space. Um, and these, these machine learning systems can make decisions, good decisions, much faster than you're going to be able to and actually see um, much greater returns because of that. Um, I think the biggest win here is in search marketing because search engines are themselves kind of the same kind of system. It has this machine learning algorithms built into the search engine. Your, those search algorithms are kind of built on the same um, premises. So mm -hmm. if you can optimize your, your search engine marketing campaigns utilizing the same systems that actually build search engines themselves, you're going to be working with them rather than against them. And I think, um, the, the data shows that uh, you're going to see much higher returns um, in the long run than if you are really trying to take it all on yourself, take it all in-house and do it um, by hand or do it with humans. Now, do you have any input on that, just, just uh, AI in PPC advertising in general? I think you may bring up a good point there, Miles. Uh, actually, two good points. I, I think that you're right that you know AI helps tremendously with... Um, pulling you know first pull, pulling the data and putting it into something that we can as humans analyze and, and utilize for stra uh, for strategic purposes but you know i don't think it's the end all be all you know is you know I, I think where we where we maybe um you know disagree is that you know not necessarily that one of these should be a, a complete extreme one way or the other but maybe you would let the machines do more of the work and I would let the humans do more of the collaborating with the machines. And maybe there's just a varying degree of difference, you know, between our two points here. But, you know, I still think that the humans are the ones who have to take that data and they have to apply it then strategically to, okay, then what do we do next? And not just default to letting the AI make that next decision, if that makes sense, you know? And so I, I think there has to be a point where the humans step in and take over the decision-making process and use that AI as just a way to filter the data faster, not necessarily better. Uh, and, and, the, and the place, though, that I really kind of push back 
uh, on the programmatic digital AI side is on the creative. But Miles, and I've actually been testing this a little bit with with some of our client campaigns. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, on Facebook, I'm I'm starting to to come back off of this position a little bit because their product with dynamic creative, which basically lets AI create different sequences of creative uh, to be shown to different people, depending on who they are, has advanced to the point where it is getting pretty gosh darn good. Now it's still up to us, the humans and the creators to feed them the appropriate amount in the, of of context uh, of, excuse me, the appropriate amount of contextualized content. Like we still have to feed the machine appropriately, but that machine is getting really, really good at serving the right ads to the right people where, you know, 12, 18 months ago, it was not in, in this, we were having a different conversation. So, so, so I, I am starting to bend a little bit more on that. And then on your, on your point about search, I do think that that is an astute point that, you know, the AI is kind of talking to AI uh, in that, in that scenario. Uh, and so maybe I am in, in this instance, becoming a little bit more uh, open to your argument here, but, you know, I still really want the humans in the catbird seat of all the decision-making processes and in the creative decision-making process, especially because, you know, what we found and, and we've even been playing with some AI uh, creative tools on the back end here at Wildman Miles. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think that the AI still has challenges with is, are the, to, a bad pun here, the human elements, the, uh, the feelings, the emotional ploys, you know, and that they are really good at the technical side of things, at the data side of things, the, sec the scientific side of things, but they don't have that human intuition, that human emotion. And so much of selling, so much of marketing, so much of buying processed is actually based on emotion. A lot of people get that confused. They think it's logical and it's not. <laughs> you know? uh, most people, they buy on emotion and then they rationalize it later with logic. So, so we still really have to be involved and in tune with that process. Um, and, and that's really where, where I think that the AI, the AI falls short. But, uh, you know, it, it's conversation is evolving and changing uh, in their favor all the time. So I guess that, that's my reaction to that from an advertising uh, standpoint. Yeah, and I think throughout this entire conversation, we can lay the, the groundwork of at no point are either of us arguing for a completely one-sided solution here. Probably there's going to be some balance in between. I don't think in any of these situations, a computer can just take it and run. Um, but there are places where these tools can be leveraged, leveraged more than people necessarily understand that they can. So uh, that's that's kind of the point that I'm making here. And also, and this kind of ties back into a conversation I think we we're having two weeks ago, maybe on this show. Um, that is the the tactic versus the strategy, where you have to keep in mind that there is an overarching strategy. Um, you still have a marketing plan, a marketing strategy, and then underneath that, you have these tools that you're using. Um, so these, these AI or machine learning or um, you know, big data algorithm style things, I think are, are really effective tools, but at no point should they replace a truly um, custom built and human created marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. But you did kind of tie into, um, you tied into the next point I wanted to make here. So I'm just gonna move on to um, highly personalized website experience. You talked about creating a personalized experience utilizing these AI tools. And that's one thing I've seen that's really interesting and upfront when they first started um, introducing this technology, I was very critical of it. Um, well, because it wasn't very good, but it's gotten a lot better. And so I'm really interested in seeing where this goes. Um, two ways that I've seen this used successfully is just on a website experience. Um, where basically you can plug in this bot and by analyzing hundreds of data points about a, uh, a single user, basically all of the third-party data that we've been talking about, information, um, where they are, their location, physical location, demographics, uh, what device they're using, um, past interactions with your website or with your social media or with 
I don't know, your email campaigns or whatever, it can use all that information to tailor the website display to them so that they are having a highly personalized experience of your website as a whole. So when they land on your website, they're not just seeing the same thing that everyone else is seeing. It's actually displaying something different in text content, in imagery, and even in overall layout, depending on who you are, where you're looking at this site from, how you've utilized this brand before, how you've interacted with this brand before. Um, is this your first time seeing this brand or um, is it the hundredth, the thousandth? Are you a long time loyal customer? In that case, you're gonna see something very different. Like I said up front, when this first came out, I really didn't like it because mostly it was used for um, like multi-location businesses where they would show a different website for the location in Denver versus their location in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and search engines really didn't like it. They saw it as sort of a templated type of thing. Um, and they, they, it was almost like you were misleading clients to make it seem like you were a local business when you weren't. And as I say on the show all the time, I think the key to all of this is authenticity. So yeah. if you were at any point trying to display yourself or position yourself as something that you're not, I think that there's a problem there. But like I said, it's really gotten a whole lot better and it's tying into some of the uh, amazing, the power of third party information that we've been able to access on other aspects of digital marketing and pushing that into the website experience. Um, so leverage properly, I think that could actually be a really cool way to leverage AI. Another one, before I toss it over to you, um, is actually on the mobile side of things, um, getting uh, pop-ups and push notifications and those kinds of more interrupting style content mm -hmm. where you can, based on how someone's uh, been using your stuff or how someone's been interacting with your brand, you can send specific push notifications. So we were talking with a, uh, actually, I guess, a potential client a few weeks ago about using uh, geofence for marketing and for push notifications. It's kind of a natural extension of that where you are pushing a specific piece of content directly into the hands of a user based on um, their interactions with your brand, their demographic, yeah. their geographic location, and all the other data that we can get on them. But overall, just personalizing the online experience of your audience to your brand. Yeah. That's uh, that's a great point there, Miles. I think I'm on board fully with all of those things, actually. <laughs> I'm not even going to push back much on that stuff. You know, I, I was a little hesitant, you know, as you said, uh, maybe a year or two ago about the, um, you know, the AI technology with, with the websites and showing people, you know, different images, different copy, different text. Uh, but, you know, like I said, with the, with the Facebook uh, Dynamic Creative, I think that that, uh, technology has come quite a bit of a, a long ways in the last, uh, you know, like I said, maybe and I forget time is like, like, I don't know, last 12 months feel like the last 12 years, but I think it's, it's been, you know, relative within the last year and a half, I would say that that technology has really come to the forefront and, you know, what that does now, you know, just to put it in some sort of a, uh, you know, real world context is maybe in the past where we'd have to create different landing pages for, you know, a different service and, and send traffic to these different landing pages based on what ads they were clicking. You know, now we can, we can basically send them to one place uh, off, off of the ad and based off of what they're clicking, show them a different, um, a, a, a different piece of copy, a different image, a different call to action and really just make it a unique website for each individual person that comes there, uh, which if, you do, if it's done right, can be completely uh, in the favor of the business. So I, I don't think that I have much pushback for you on those things. Okay, well, we can hit into um, one of the broader topics that I think that you've you kind of touched on a couple of times, and that is just content creation in general, um, because that is, that's a huge, thing that's a huge subject there it covers a lot more than just um you know your weekly facebook post or whatever it is um, so i think there are a couple of places where ai can really be using content creation and a couple of places where it's not there yet at least um though i i think that it's probably getting there especially on the text side of things um this natural language generation on the text side is getting just leaps and bounds better by the well, I was going to say by the year, but hell, by the month, by the week, where, I mean, looking at it now, if you just segment off the top 
we're talking about big, huge business, Fortune 500 style businesses, something like 20% of their content that's being said uh, internally and externally in their company is completely 100% generated by machines, by robots. Um, so there's probably some stuff that you're in that you interact with on a daily basis that was written by a machine and you mm -hmm. have no idea. Um, so there are some places basically where something can be structured. And again, just talking on the text side of things here, um, where that text can be very structured um, reports. Yeah, I'm seeing here on this list, uh, P&L summaries, quarter business reports, uh, stock insights. Then there's a couple of places that are um, they're, they're structured as well, but you don't think of it in the same list. So, you know, I was talking about internal reporting or even reporting to clients about stuff. Um, machines can be very good at that kind of thing, but there are other very structured things that you don't really think about, like um, sports recaps. Um, half the articles on ESPN are written by a robot because all it has to say is mm -hmm. here's what happened in the game. And right, right. it can actually listen, watch the game, and pretty much tell you what happened with some very minimal um, editing. So there's a lot of places where structured text can be taken out of human hands and generated completely 100% by a machine. And then there's the other side of things where it's more just an augmentation, which I think is more what you've been playing with. For content creation, we're talking about um, you know emails or social media posts or uh, website content, blog content, where you know having a machine completely write a book for you or write even a blog post um, is probably not the best way to go, um, or at least I don't think either of us would recommend that. It can start you off. It can give you a bunch of ideas based on a theme. If you input this theme, it can spit out ten different ideas, and you can riff on one or more of those. Um, it can give you a, a general outline for a larger blog post. So there's a lot of ways where it can help augment the creativity and the output of a good content writer, mm -hmm. if not totally replace it. Yeah, there's a lot of incredible tools out there, Miles, and, and they're getting better all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this one, though, is the one where that I will give you the biggest pushback on. Uh, even though I'm, I'm becoming more open to it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an open-minded guy, you know, but, uh, it's, it, it, it goes back to what I was saying a little bit before is that there's so much stuff that AI cannot quite figure out yet. And it has to do with the human experience, the human emotion and really human psychology. And so, you know, it, and this really depends on what we're, what we're asking it to do. Because if we're just asking it to do an informational article, it can do that. You know, you made the great point about the ESPN article. It can certainly handle that. It can read a box score and put that into paragraph form and spit that stuff out all day long. Okay. But is that good marketing? It is not. It is not. <laughs> you know, a lot of people do marketing like that. They just inform people. They're like, hey, we exist. And here's what we do. Did we mention we exist? You know, and, and unfortunately, that is a lot of marketing, <laughs> but it's not good. It doesn't work. Uh, you know, and so can can AI persuade? And that's where I think it it fails at this point. And you still need to have a human hand uh, heavily in the process, in the creative process of messaging when we're talking about marketing and advertising. But here comes the big but: AI can play a huge role in helping us do more, do it better and, and, you know, and scale our writing, you know, our, our copywriting, you know, so to speak. And so what, and what's happening right now with agencies all across the country is that they're using this technology to, you know, do the background research, to write first drafts and, you know, and things that a lot of times that they were uh, farming out to people in India or Bangladesh or wherever, you know, to do this kind of stuff cheap. Because it that's the stuff that takes a lot of work and you have to have a lot of data and you have to have a lot of information first, but then it takes somebody with a higher level of you know, skill set to take all that information, that data, and actually turn it into a persuasive piece of writing that is going to sell something. But first I have to have all that data and I have to have all that information, you know, and, you know, and so for people like us, that we deal with a wide range of business categories, right? I mean, we do every 
business category almost under the sun or will do. But when we go into a space, if it's a space that I haven't worked with, and luckily I've worked with almost all of them out there at this point, you know, we have to do a whole lot of research manually, you know, with our brains and our fingers and our, and our hands and our eyes in order to even start to speak, uh, you know, to that client, let alone for that client. Uh, and so that's an area where I think that AI can really accelerate that learning process and, and bring, uh, you know, people up to speed, so to speak, on that. You know, for example, like, it, I can't even begin to talk about a car dealership until I know what an up is, until I know what four squaring is, until I know that they make the most of their money from the finance and the repair department and actually selling cars. You know, like, these are all the things that I need to know and much more, you know, before I could ever, ever intelligently speak on behalf um, of, of a car dealership. And so what AI tools can do is they could give me all that information within a few, you know, strokes of my fingertips. And then, but I still need to synthesize that information. And then more importantly, reverse engineer that information to something that the customer ends up caring about and communicate with them through that way. And that, and that's something that I, you know, maybe in 18 months, we'll have a totally different discussion about this. But that's something that I, I still think that AI is, is not, not there yet. And I, I, don't, I don't see it getting there within, within 18 months uh, because, I mean, it's something that even most human beings aren't there yet. You know, it's, this is something that is, is a lifelong skill to acquire um, through lots of pain and suffering and tears of being a sales copywriter. Uh, I'll write a book about it someday. No. Um, you know, and, and so, so you have to understand human psychology, and and that's that's really what we're what we're getting into, an area of discussion that we find ourselves getting into a lot, <laughs> uh, Miles, uh, because it has so much to do with marketing and sales, and uh, and I just you know I just don't think the AI can can quite do even what the average human is able to do right at, at this point, uh, and so. Yeah, that, that's my two cents on it. Uh, we, we may have a different discussion, like I said, in 18, 24 months, but I'd like to see humans uh, get to the point where they're writing more persuasive ad copy than just informative ad copy. And uh, there may be a day where AI accelerates uh, past most of us, but I don't think that they'll ever, uh, they'll ever get to uh, the tippy-tippy top of what uh, humans have been able to accomplish in that realm. Yeah, well, this technology is changing all the time and, um, you know, what it can and can't do is is changing. And at least for me, it's surprising me every time uh, it takes a huge leap forward. So uh, we'll stay on top of it. That's why we're playing with some of these tools, um, not necessarily because we advocate for all of them. Some of them, some of them do suck, um, but because <laughs> uh, just so that we know what what is working, what is not working um, and where an appropriate place to use some of these things are, especially for smaller businesses. Um, I think that it can be a huge win for them if you don't have an in-house copywriter, if you don't have an in-house marketing team and maybe you can't afford to fully hire out an agency like us. Um, you know, little tools like this can mm -hmm. serve to augment what you do have um, and make you, make you a lot more effective, which leads me into, I think, Probably the last one I want to bring up here because I do want to hit some other stuff today. Um, and that is something that I know you've been harping on for a while and something where we definitely agree AI can be used here if utilized properly, and that is chatbots. Chatbots are have been growing immensely over the last, let's say, year two years. Um, when they started off, it was kind of just this annoying thing that popped up and tried to sell you something or like it was it was really just a, a complicated pop up. It was really annoying for most people, but it's developed into um, a very powerful tool that can be utilized in a number of ways. Uh, it can be used to qualify leads as they're coming in so that you're not just getting a bunch of tire kickers coming through your website. Um, it can serve as a filtering tool. So it's getting your customers to the right place faster, um, answering, some base, uh, answering some basic questions for you. If you're getting the same questions all the time, uh, you can program those in and save you or your call center or your front desk or whatever a bunch of time by getting those questions answered in a chat bot, um, or like I said, filtering them through so that they're talking to the right department, the right people um, that can answer those questions faster rather than sitting on hold and being transferred five times to the wrong department. 
<laughs> um, and even now, there are some tools that are allowing them to make sales directly through the chat bot. So it can integrate with your e-commerce tool um, yep. and ask them about things. So uh, before the show, I was actually looking for a good example of this and found one um, on one of your, your favorite sites, the Content Marketing Institute. Um, it's actually a, a brand that I'm not that familiar with, and I don't think that you are either. And that's Sephora, the uh, uh, makeup company. Obviously, oh, okay. neither one of us are <laughs> not in the market. Really... <laughs> no, but we, we we have people in our lives that that are. Um, anyway, so I was checking that out, and if you go to their website, their chat bot is actually really cool, and it starts off by giving you a little quiz to figure out where you are in their marketing segment because you know as as you know anyone who understands makeup at all understands like that's a very personalized thing yep um and so they use this as sort of that filtering tool to figure out what your preferences are what categories you fall in what you're really going to be looking for and it uses this to just deliver that quiz in a very personalized and conversational way that people actually appreciate and it's not it doesn't feel as intrusive because it is so personalized and because it is delivered in that conversational way it's not just a pop-up that says take our quiz it's delivered to you as if it were a person like you're walking in the into the store and a salesperson comes up to you and starts asking you some questions to figure out what it is you're looking for it's a very natural interaction which i think should be the goal throughout all this i think both of us would agree um, whenever utilizing some tools like this, whenever getting into machine learning or AI or whatever you want to call this, um, you have to make sure that your interactions are at least seeming very natural because it can get very, well, very robotic very quickly. So uh, I think that should always be a goal. But chatbots, Mike, what do you think? Very bullish on chatbots, Smiles. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Bye, 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 bye. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that they're awesome tools, uh, for many of the reasons that you just stated. So I won't regurgitate them, but, uh, the, the, and the, that's something else that's getting better all the time. But, uh, I think that that may be, let me think for a second. It, it may be the, the most underutilized tool right now for small businesses, meaning that that's something that I think every small business should integrate and, you know, I'd say the majority of them have it. Uh, and so it's, it's really a great way, especially if you're doing uh, leads. You know, it's a great way to qualify your leads. Uh, you just touched on the e-commerce aspects of it. I mean, it can literally run your e-commerce store uh, for you. But, you know, I also think one of the, the, the most important things is another thing that you touched on is being able to uh, be that bridge to quickly uh, connect somebody with a human. You know, and you may think, well, isn't it isn't it a step away from a human and not necessarily because, you know, humans are obviously it's it's, it's a limited resource. And so you can't have, you know, touch points with humans, with all of your customers. Once you get to a certain volume of customers, you know, that are coming to your website or or, or your social media page or, or visiting even your store. And so you have to leverage uh, a, an automation through a bot in order to have that initial touch point, figure out how you can best serve them, and then get them to the appropriate person who's best suited to you know, handle that need or that want uh, that they're searching for. And so that's, that's something that, yeah, I think everybody needs to take a hard look and a hard audit their business and see how can they leverage chatbots to communicate better with their customers, get more information from their customers, and connect uh, quicker and deeper with their customers. But uh, lots and lots of things that you can do. And, and just from an advertising standpoint, too, if you're running a, uh, a lead or a sales you know, campaign on, on Facebook and you're not at least testing the chatbots in that campaign, I think you're leaving money on the table. That it's, it's, it's that effective at raising your conversion rate that it's, you just have to have a damn good reason why you're not doing it, in my mind. Uh, otherwise, you just leave money on the table, Miles. So yeah, yeah I think love things chat are getting bots. better all the time and integrating with more things. I know we talked about chatbots integrating with um, e-commerce solutions. They're also starting to integrate with emailing solutions and text message marketing solutions and other methods of communication. So you can really build this sort of um, omni-channel marketing campaign all based around 
the AI that powers your chatbot. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a that's a really cool place to start and to integrate with again your overall marketing strategy, which is built by a real human person. Um, yeah. And Moss, if I can we, just add one, let me add one more thing onto this that that's a little bit of deviation, but you know, just just speaking of automation, and, and this isn't technically a chatbot, but like I said, same wheelhouse. And again, maybe next week, Miles, we need to do our episode dedicated to voice and everything about voice. But uh, Alexa skills and automations through voice are the next frontier. I mean, it's it's here, uh, you know, that, that I think small businesses should be looking at to use internally, meaning that there's a lot of things that you can automate uh, in terms of your internal communication or organization through voice. And then also externally in terms of how you're advertising to your customers and how those customers uh, are given the ability to find you through voice search. So I just wanted to add that uh, briefly as a tack on to the end of the discussion, Miles. Yeah, and so like I said, I want to uh, I want to move on and hit a couple other points today. I don't want to spend the entire show on this, but hopefully you guys have found this interesting. Uh, we do have a question in the comments that ties into a point I, I almost thought about including in this list, so I think we'll probably hit it here. Uh, but I want to use this opportunity to just uh, circle back and say, this is an open Q&A, so please don't make this, uh, this isn't a lecture, this is supposed to be a uh, us to you knowledge transfer thing. So if you have any input on any of this, you have any experience on any of this, or you have any questions regarding um, anything we're talking about or anything wildly different, you can throw that in the comments below or email us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Um, we'll also have lots of information on all of this on our website, wildmanweb.com. You can check that out. Uh, for some more resources. If you like what we're doing here, you think this information is valuable, please give us a follow at Wildman Web on all social channels. Um, you can also subscribe to our email list. Uh, we actually just sent one out this morning with some really interesting content. I think we may be posting some of those in blog form to the website later, but if you're on our email list, you get that stuff first before anyone else. I think there's even a Rodney Dangerfield quote in there on, on one of those. So uh, make sure to subscribe to our email list on our website uh, for all of that premium content. Question though, from one of our favorite regular reviewers, Mr. Jeff Fry, any tips on how to best use a large mailing list? So I actually, I I almost included email marketing in my list of things to use use AI on uh, for a couple of reasons here. And that is, you know, it's it's a prime candidate for content uh, curation and personalization, which I think is probably how we're gonna tie all of this up. If you are using AI as a tool on any of these uh, mediums or in any of these strategies, you should be utilizing it as of right now, not as your content creator, not as your primary marketing person, because it can't do it, at least it won't be able to do it well, but you can use it for content curation and content personalization. so on emails, I think that's one of the biggest wins there. The uh, All of the data shows that the highest converting emails are those that are personalized. You can do that in a couple of different ways, either by creating marketing segments, um, and uh, AI can help you to do that by analyzing users' um, actions, how they behave, again, uh, with your brand online, how they interact with your website, how they've interacted with your emails that have been sent out before, um, or anything else that we can measure out there and segment out that audience into separate little buckets that you interact with in slightly different ways. And it can personalize um, your email content based on that segmentation um, and any other data that it can get its hands on. Like I said earlier, demographic, geographic location, to age, whatever, any any kind of metadata they can pull on about that person and it can personalize your email. So you've written 95% of that email, that content came from you, but there's a couple of little points, couple of little elements in there that it can tweak to really make it feel like a personalized email sent out to a hundred, a thousand, a million people. Um, and so I think that's where you can really utilize the tools that we were talking about today Um, utilize artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms to maximize your conversion rate on even the largest of mailing lists. Yeah, great points there, Miles. Uh, And a good question 
for sure. Uh, you know, yeah. And even things like, uh, you know, just testing headlines uh, and, or excuse me, subject lines uh, can be really big and there's tools out there to do it, or you can just do it manually. Um, but you know, that's something if I had a really big list and, and we, we got to define, I guess, really big list, but you know, thousands and thousands, um, I would certainly be doing a lot of testing. And the other thing I would be doing would be doing segmenting, uh, which Miles mentioned a little bit there, and then contextualizing uh, the content, uh, which he touched on as well, <laughs> you know, uh, to that, you know, so you could, you could segment it in many, many different ways. You could segment it in terms of, hey, these are people who are interested in certain products or services. These are people at different stages of the buying funnel. You could segment it by demographic, you know, whatever you think is most relevant to your business and your audience and, and the messaging that's going to connect the two. Uh, but certainly if you have a huge list, you know, the message that you're going to send out to everybody is not going to be the most effective one, you know? And so you need to segment out that list, contextualize it a little bit, uh, and even go a little bit further, uh, in, in, into what miles was talking about in terms of actually personalizing it, you know, and there's ways that you could do that where you can actually, you know, put each individual person's name in the subject line, which of course will, dramatically increase that open rate. Uh, and so there are some AI tools out there, uh, as Miles was alluding to, that can do that kind of stuff for you. Uh, but, you know, the real big thing, you know, beyond that, just big picture wise, Jeff, is, is being consistent with it, you know, putting out uh, a schedule, so to speak, and you stick to that of what you're going to deliver. And then always remember the jab, 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 right hook, going back to, um, uh, the very helpful book by Gary V. Uh, you know, you always want to be delivering at least three to one value-based uh, content compared to what you're going to ask. So always be over-delivering on content. And again, content is something that, or excuse me, on valuable content. We define value as something that is informative, educational, or entertaining. And educational being, being the most important one that is going to matter to your uh, end user to your audience. And then of course, the other thing that you can do beyond just an email list, uh, Jeff, is you can use that list itself, uh, across pretty much any advertising platform out there and you can create what's called a custom audience. So for, for example, on Facebook, we could take that list and we could upload it into Facebook and create a custom audience based out of people that are on that list. And then only send ads to people who are on that list. So in that instance, you can really start to contextualize your ad content, excuse me. Uh, and, and really, of course, that, of course, uh, you know, brings in more attention, which brings in more engagement, which brings in more results. Uh, the other thing you can do from that is then create what's called a lookalike audience. So Facebook or LinkedIn or, or whatever platform you're using, they'll take that list that made your custom audience and they'll basically say, okay, this is the demographics of everybody in this list. We're now going to create a lookalike audience based on people who don't engage with you, but who fit those same demographics, who are like the people who you're trying to target. And that can be a great, great way uh, to reach new audience and convert. You know, it's, it's still, you know, a cold audience, meaning they don't know you, but it's warm in the sense that they're just like the people who are your core hot audience. So that can be a great hack uh, when you're uh, doing paid advertising. Uh, if you have a list, always, always, always utilize a custom audience and a lookalike audience uh, and use that data to your advantage. So, and, and as we move forward, you know, with the, uh, the end of third-party data, which is, is, is rapidly happening, uh, this is going to be even more important. So everybody's goal should be to have a large list so you can have this uh this question that jeff has has asked because uh that's the first step is get that list built up it's incredibly important to have zero and first party data right now and moving forward yeah and that's one thing i think that um you know ai could play a role and some of these tools could play a role in the shifting of the usage and provision of third-party data in that, you know, maybe Apple isn't sharing third-party data with uh, marketing tools anymore. Maybe Google will stop sharing third-party data with marketing tools. But if you are leveraging these AI tools and collecting data yourself about um, users' interactions and their, their, um, their metadata and how they're interacting with your website and with your brand, then 
hypothetically, if you had a large enough audience and you were collecting enough data, then you could start crafting these types of campaigns and leveraging that data in a similar way to how we're currently leveraging Google's third-party data and Apple's third-party data and all this information that we're getting from different yep. sources. Um, so I, I think that the tools we're talking about now for collecting information, um, for curating content and for personalizing content for a specified audience segmentation, um, I think is going to be key moving forward as these third-party data rules and restrictions modify themselves as they adapt and as the, as they change into the future. But I think we've probably hit on uh, on this subject enough where we're coming up on an hour on it here. So, uh, Mike, did you have anything on your side that you wanted to hit? And in the meantime, if you guys have any questions, please throw those in the comments and we will hit those as well before uh, before signing off for the day. I think I just have a couple quick things to add in here. Uh, well, first of all, I want to add another, another point quickly to, to Jeff's question. And that is, Jeff, if or for anybody out there, if on your list you have phone numbers, uh, take a hard look at how you can use a text messaging platform uh, effectively and leverage that. Uh, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there right now. A text messaging platform, you just have to be smart and strategic about it. Uh, and so, you know, don't don't jump into it without a plan. Uh, going back to <laughs> our first discussion uh, in me giving a little bit of a uh, of a nod to Miles's point there, but uh, you, you definitely that that's something to be looking at too uh, with your list and your and your first party and zero party data. Uh, okay, yeah, a couple quick things I had. Um, yeah, the newsletter, we put out a newsletter today. Make sure you open that. Uh, had some had some good, good stuff in there uh, about messaging. And Anna put in some important information uh, about your Instagram reach and uh, a way to avoid that being uh, curtailed. And, uh, and yeah, Miles, we don't just have a Rodney Dangerfield quote in the newsletter. We actually have a Rodney Dangerfield quote, a Rodney Dangerfield YouTube video, and a Stephen Wright YouTube video. So some fun entertainment. Uh, as also as some great secrets to unlock uh, in that article about marketing messaging and, and how you should be uh, uh, using that to get attention, which of course is the name of the game uh, from your audience. So make sure you check that out. And then Miles, you know me, I can't get away without at least mentioning Clubhouse once, okay, on the show. But this actually dives into it. my only, it. this is my only news update for the week, okay? It was kind of a light, Newsweek. So I didn't have a, a, a good powerhouse news segment for you this week, but I don't want to leave you empty handed. And this news update just happens to deal with my favorite subject. So, you know, I couldn't resist. And that is Clubhouse has come under some fire for some regulators in France who have opened up an investigation based on a complaint from a German regulator into uh, are they protecting user data enough? And and so this is interesting on multiple levels, mainly just because I'm obsessed with Clubhouse, which is an, an audio-only emerging platform that you all should check out. You all should follow at MyCanna, at Miles Bassett, and join our club, Kansas City Entrepreneurs. But uh, it's really interesting because uh, we've talked about this in the last few weeks, how uh, Clubhouse is using a new, new type of a uh, business model where they say that they're not collecting any user data. They're not going to sell that data. They're not going to repurpose that data. Uh, and they're not going to use a traditional advertising type of a platform to monetize the app. Uh, and so it's going to be really interesting what exactly these charges are and what they find and how it, you know, measures up with what uh, Clubhouse has been saying, because they've been very adamant about this point. Uh, the founders have uh, consistently. So I'm really interested to see their response. This news just came out this morning. Uh, just, just saw it hit the, uh, hit the trades this morning. So I don't even know if they've had a chance to respond to that, but, um, just really interesting. And it's also interesting, uh, on the topic that we talked about months ago with how regular, you know, regulatory structures and regulatory agencies, which are going to be coming more and more involved with this space here in America, uh, will, how that will affect emerging platforms. And will emerging platforms be able to take the regulatory blow, so to speak, or will they essentially get wiped out and therefore big tech gets bigger? Uh, and so that's going to be an interesting kind of uh, storyline to watch play out as this unfolds, uh, because, you know, Clubhouse is getting big. You know, they're 
billion dollar valuation at this point, but they're still a really, really small player in the overall scheme of things uh, compared to the rest of the big tech in Silicon Valley. So there's your news update for you, Miles. That's all I have. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go, Miles. I got to get back to work. Everybody have a safe, prosperous week. We'll see you next time. All right. See you later, Mike. All right, that is it from us at the uh, at Wildman Web Solutions today. Uh, check back in next week for another segment of Ask Wildman. Um, if you are catching this later, you can still send us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. But um, we'll be back next week, uh, next Wednesday at 11, live streaming to Facebook, YouTube, and now our new Twitch channel. So pick your poison there and follow us. Um, if you like what we're doing here, if you think the information that we're providing is useful, please give this video a like, a share, just comment. Um, that helps us break through those algorithms and reach more people, answer some more questions, and hopefully be more of a resource to everyone. So again, if you like what we're doing here, give us a like, share, follow. You know how social media works. So with that, I will see you next Wednesday, next Wednesday at 11. Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. <laughs>